I have a question to begin with today that um, uh, I suspect I'll have to ask twice. The first time I'll ask the question, can you remember the very first time that you drank yak butter tea? Yak butter tea? Okay, because of the response I got from that question, I'll ask it this way. Have any of you ever drank yak butter tea? Oh, Stephen, what a blessed man thou art. Um, My experience with yak butter tea in southwestern China uh, a number of years ago was uh, pretty, uh, well, it was interesting at any rate. I um, remember that I went to visit a, a friend of mine who had been working up in the mountains and working with a particular minority group. And uh, he took me to this restaurant, and I could tell, you know, I was in a very different environment. But he said, you know, this is where the Pumi, Pumi people come for, uh, you know, for this kind of thing. And you, you've got to have yak butter tea. And I thought, well, your got to and my got to may not be the same. But um, at any rate, we gave it a try. And basically, because he was there and I had been working with him, was, one of, was his supervisor, uh, I was able to say to him as honestly as I might, that was terrible. And I kind of stopped. Well, a couple of months went by, and I happened to be back down in that same area again. But this time, he took me into the, the home of some Pumi people, and kind of like a, almost like a Hogan or type of little, little place that they live. And there it was again. Out came the yak butter tea. But the difference was this time I had no choice because it was my responsibility as a Christian worker to not allow cultural gaps that were not theological or major in, in, in rationale for why I couldn't do it to not become a, a great barrier between us. So I took my little bowl of yak butter tea and swallowed it and almost died. True or not? Stephen, true, false? I mean, it's pretty powerful stuff. And uh, I did not lie. I did not say, oh, that's really good. But I didn't uh, honestly say a whole lot about it. I just kind of drank it and did what I needed to do. And I guess it kind of struck me that very much uh, I had not read the fine print clearly when I understood the role of a Christian worker working in China, a missionary. I had um, had not really prepared myself for all of those constant uh, challenges that would come. And I, what I want to say to us today as we, we look at the Scripture is that to be a follower of Jesus sometimes takes you beyond your comfort level. may challenge you to do some things that you weren't really looking forward to or that you don't particularly enjoy. But you know, no one said... Nowhere in Scripture does it say, become a follower of Jesus and everything's going to be great. Become a follower of Jesus and life will be good. You will never have to drink yak butter tea again. It's not scriptural. That teaching is not there. So when we talk about reading the fine print, what I want to say to us is that to become a Christian, yes, We have to understand ourselves. We have to recognize that 
in a very humble reality, we are not without sin. We are not capable of having all the answers in life. We don't know all the right things to do in every situation. We do have to confess before God that we need His forgiveness for the way we treat Him. We come to Him and we say, Father, we know we are sinners. Now, that kind of sin is not talking about murdering anybody. But we're talking about the fact that we don't respect God enough. And we come to Him and we say, Father, I know that You're the Creator. I know You care about me. And I know I go about my life each and every day without giving You adequate respect. I know that you care enough about me because I can see it as I saw Jesus come to this world and on my behalf cleanse my sins, cleanse the sins of all who will follow him. I know that you are that kind of a wonderful God. And so I come to you and I say that I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. So we understand that to become a Christian gets us along that pathway. But you know, once you confess your sins to Christ and you recognize who God is and who He should be in your life, it's only a step. Because even in the Scripture, in James 2.19, it says that the demons know who Jesus is. But they tremble in fear. You know, the knowledge of Christ is inadequate. The knowledge about who He is, inadequate. Until we make a commitment, knowing who Jesus is doesn't really mean a whole lot. We've got a world around us that all seem to bounce around and talk about, oh, I know, yeah, yeah, this world has a God, yeah, yeah, I know the God. But do they ever try to relate to the Creator God? Do they ever make the second effort, so to speak? So when I was dealing with my yak butter tea experience, you know, it was one thing to look at that stuff. It was another thing to drink it the second time. I promise you, drinking it the first time, I was just naive. The second time, I had to work at it. But when it comes to following Christ, there is a certain point there where application of his values, his morals, his thinking, his creativity, his understanding of the world has to change who I am. And if I'm unwilling to change, my commitment's not worth very much. A guy named Randy Alcorn has written a number of books. And one of the things that he has said is that we live in a world where people spend... 98% of their time being influenced by the society around us. And even if we're good about reading our Bible each week or studying Christian materials, it's not going to be anything to compare with the influence of our society on our lives. In just saying that we've got all too many of us that we, we don't allow God's values to become our values. We think we're doing okay. But in fact, the struggle continues. I'm guilty of, of often not reading the fine print. Of stopping what just with the, the, the advertisement and saying it looks good. And I'm saying that I think that sometimes we have to recognize it's in the fine print 
where we find that the walk is the follow-up to the first decision. Saying you accept Jesus, praise God. But then you do get into issues of church membership. You get into issues of baptism. You get into the commitment issues that take you beyond just saying, oh, yeah, 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 I'm a Christian. It says, have you been willing to put the stamp? You know, and yet I reflect, Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says that the command was to go out and teach people about Christ and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So somewhere in there, it was important to God that we make a commitment and that we put the chop. You know, in Asia, if you don't have a chop, you can't get hardly anything done. It's amazing how we get, we have a society in Asia that has moved to electronic media and electronic equipment to do all kinds of things, and still they'll ask you, do you have a chop? And you pull out this little red thing and you go, and then life is good because it makes it real. To a certain degree, our baptism and our church membership are ways of us saying, I'm not only just talking the talk, I'm willing to band with this group of people or that group of people or wherever we are and give all I've got to serve the Lord. Not to go to relax, but to serve. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone, you know, this week especially, these last, actually this last couple of months, we've been dealing with all these political issues going on in our country. And I don't know if you've heard anyone ever say, I'll talk with you about anything I want to, but please don't talk about politics or religion. I'm a, the, I had a friend of mine that was that way. We'd talk about all kinds of things. He said, but just never talk about politics or religion. We'll be okay. And I said, you're asking me to not talk about religion. This will be interesting. And yet, I think the, the thing I would want to say to us, in truth, our values, our goals, our plans, the friends we choose, the choices we make in our daily lives, the people we marry, how we use our time, our finances, our definitions of morality and what is right and what is wrong. Many other things in our society are impacted by the political freedoms that we have within our society and by our religious understanding of life. Having lived in Asia for... 38 years, I saw societies where the government stepped in and did everything it could to kind of control the values and direction and goals of its people. Sometimes it was very much from a political perspective, a governmental perspective, saying, giving definition to what is right and what is wrong. Uh, some of the time it was tied very much to uh, religious issues of whether or not you could go or could not go to church. And it also included other religions and whether or not they were able to function in the society. You know, the issue of separation of church and state is in some ways we say it doesn't apply to Canada, but it does. Because always your, your society and your church do have some kind of a relationship and you have to define whether it's strong, whether it's weak, whether one is impacting the other. It's, it's all kind of a, a big mix in there. Um, and yet, as we look at the desire of governments to control those areas of people's minds and their thinking, we continue to see in nearly every place 
an eventual point where people begin to stand up and say enough is enough and we have problems. Now, it's interesting. I was reading an article about Taiwan and it was talking about the thousands and thousands of students pouring out of mainland China going to Taiwan to study and do either university or graduate school in Taiwan. And, of course, one of the reasons they chose Taiwan was it was cheaper than coming to the United States or Canada. Because coming over here, you had it was just less, much, much, much less expensive in many ways. Plus, on top of that, they said the bonus thing is the language. They said, you know, we can learn the traditional characters and it actually helps us. So we don't mind learning the traditional characters. It helps us in the long run to be able to do more broad work and be able to have access to different kinds of work around the world. So we, we desire that. But it was going ahead and it was talking about what these people... And, and, you know, there was a time back, I can remember, when Chinese were just beginning to get outside of China. And there was a real concern that was expressed by the government of China that the, the students would get overseas and be polluted by the democratic thinking that's found in other countries. And that it might be, be that they would grab some of those ideas and bring them back and, and cause all kinds of destruction to their country. And of course, for any of us who have lived through or remember the 1989 Beijing situation, that debacle which occurred, and, th and, and thousands of people were influenced inside of China and around the world, um, we can see that the government desires... To, to control the thinking and the values of its people. And they use political means. In that particular case, we're talking about China, but it's not limited to China. This is something that governments all around the world, you know, try to have certain levels of influence based on their own values and goals. And um, as, as I was reading this article, though, it said that now when people go to Taiwan to study, the government of China doesn't worry anymore. Because what they found is the people that go over there to study, complete their studies, still reach the point that they're looking for a job. And the place they can find the most jobs is back home. So what they found is the students go, and they began to interview some of the students in this article, and they found every one of the students had the same comment. said, we've come here, we've studied, we somewhat like the democracy that we see here, we very much understand that it's working in this environment, which we had always been told democratic thinking could never work within a Chinese community due to the nature of the Chinese people. And yet we're seeing it somewhat function here. But then the next question that was given to them resulted in an answer that said, however, when it's all over with, we will put that in our pocket for an interesting idea, but we will go back to China where we can get a job. They're looking for jobs. They're looking for the experience. They want to learn, but they do realize that pragmatically speaking, some things in life are um, going to be things that they can implement, and some things cannot. When a church is made up of people who are satisfied doing church and not being church, the church is already no longer healthy. This week I was fortunate enough to have uh, lunch with a particular individual in our church. And he was sharing some of his radical understanding, if you want to call it that. I appreciated it very much. But a, a desire on his part to say that the church must 
become engaged in society. Now, you can talk about politics and religion and give your own definition and say, well, that's not politics. Sure it is. In the sense that we're saying we want to be proactive and not be passive. We want to change our environment. We want it to become better. He was saying, you know, he was struggling with this. And he said, you know, I just feel like the church sometimes becomes too theoretical. And we've got to get outside of our walls and do something of significance. He shared that our church must reach out to the community that surrounds us and make a difference with our presence. He admitted that not everybody would feel comfortable with this, but our spiritual lives are dependent on us living out what we study. Many people think that Jesus was politically neutral, or he actually may have been one who avoided politics. Um, I don't really think that's exactly the case. Mark twelve seventeen says, Given to Caesar the things that are Caesar, and to God the things that are God's. I would say to you today that Jesus did not spend a lot of time trying to get into political issues. I don't think we should. It's not our goal in here as a church to try to give political rhetoric or to sell a particular political stance. And yet it is our goal, and it should be our goal, for us to be responsible in looking at the content of anything that's impacting our country. And so it's those issues that people stand for. So, of course, as we know, we've seen even recently uh, the results of the way that a certain election has come up in our own country. And I'm only mentioning politics because I would desire for this service that we have each week to be relevant. I don't want us to live in the clouds, and I do want us to realize the Word of God does apply to our daily lives. You know, I look at it. Last year, I remember we, we had the summer con. And at the summer conference, we talked about Nehemiah. And, you know, Nehemiah, very, very interesting because, of course, Nehemiah was, it says in the Scripture that he was a man after God's heart. He uh, was one that, that served a foreign king. So it was, it was not as if he was working within a very uncomfortable environment that everybody supported. But he went to that foreign king and he was able to convince that foreign king to support his actions in going helping to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Go back and actually relate um, his people focused on what they could do to assist their religious background and their history. And this foreign king, who was his boss in every way, said, sure, you can do that. And he released him to go and to do that job. And not only just released, but he supported him in his actions. You know, if you remember Esther, Esther had a similar situation where she was in an environment which was not made up of all Jews. It was not a comfortable room where everybody in the room was all, you're a Christian and they're all Christians. It was an environment where a secular society, if you will, or a society with a complete different value system had all the ability in the world to control and contain. And yet, Esther, as was true with Nehemiah, was able to use her position to go ahead and still move forward in trying to do something for her people. We look in um, the New Testament. You think of Paul. Paul got thrown in prison for his faith. Paul was all constantly 
being challenged for his faith. And yet, while politics were giving him all kinds of problems, he was still focused on God. You know, today, uh, I'm kind of reflecting on something that happened a couple of days ago. I'm going to run a risk in this room and hope that none of you uh, will be overwhelmed by this reality. But I grew up, and I've told you this before, I grew up in Dallas. When I came to this church the first time, I was asked the question whether or not I was going to be able to support the Canucks. And I've told you before, I had to ask the question, what's a Canuck? And um, I could understand that it's a Canadian something, but I didn't know if it was a Canadian duck or what, you know. And so, I, you know, for me... It, you know, then the, 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 the youth that asked the question, then asked the question, do I know anything? Have you ever heard anything called hockey? I thought, man, I kind of heard of it. You know, and I started to say, have you ever heard of the Dallas Stars? You know, but I just didn't do that because I didn't want to embarrass him. But I grew up in Dallas where we had a, a hockey team that was a farm team. Now, when I mention this farm team, do not throw rocks. We were the farm team for the Blackhawks. So I've been a Chicago Blackhawk fan forever. Well, this is not a good place to be, fan of the Blackhawks. I'm aware of that. What is even worse is I'm a Royals fan. Uh, and so I have sin flowing through my blood, apparently. But these, this, this is my... But you know, the, what I want to say about the Royals and the Blackhawks, it will not impact the kingdom of God one bit who wins or loses those games. It may be fun for us to say, I love Dallas, I love Kansas City, I love Vancouver, I love America, I love Canada, whatever. But you know, the emphasis from the Lord is to challenge us to say, your citizenship must be in my hands. To be a citizen of the kingdom of God, so much more important of whether or not the Blackhawks or the Royals win the game. If I could... And it would mean more people would come to know Jesus. I would say, Royals, I hope you lose them all. It's not that important. But we all have these loyalties and these feelings and these emotions. And you know, when we look in the Scripture, all those potentials are there to allow our environment to eat us up. Whether it be Nehemiah or Esther or Paul. I mean, they could have found comfort in their positions. But they chose not to seek comfort. They chose to seek relevancy. Brothers and sisters, if our lives are not relevant, if we're not doing something important, then we're obviously doing the opposite. Jesus did not come to our world to be a social worker, politician, a Pharisee, are a doer of good deeds. His task was to teach us about life and death. He came to be a Messiah. John 3.16, which we all know, tells us clearly He came that we could have life. Jesus came to challenge not the Roman authorities. He wasn't fighting politics to prove a point. Jesus came dealing with principalities and powers as His challenge. He came to defeat through His blood issues well beyond anything you or I could manage. 
Ephesians 6, 11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against powers and against the world forces of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Jesus may have not spent a lot of time dealing with the politics of his world, but he was very keenly aware of them. Today we have challenges. We have a challenge of obedience toward governments. And what I want to share today is a testimony. Um, as some of you know, I worked with an organization for many years overseas. And First Peter 2, 3 and 13 and 14 represented the values and thinking of some of our people. It says in 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king or as supreme, or unto governors or unto them that sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. We had people very much that believed whatever any government said, if you were working in that area, you just need to be one who bows to every area and drop your own stances, your own views, your understanding of right and wrong, and just simply do that which exists. In truth, you know and I know there are no perfect governments. I, as an American, um, am very much aware. America does not stand for my values on a number of things. doesn't mean I'm not proud of it. I'm proud of the country, glad they do some of the things they do. But I will tell you now, one of the praise items in my life has been the fact that my name is in Chinese, Gan Guok Zhong, which means faithful to your country. But the country I'm talking about is the kingdom of heaven, not America. Because America will come, America will go. But the kingdom of God will go on. I think, in a sense, it's something we all have to challenge ourselves. We need to be the very best citizens we can. But it doesn't mean you're going to be a perfect citizen. We have a change in values that's coming our way. As a liberal government has been selected, I think any of us, rather than me spending time, because I certainly don't want to spend time in politics aside from to remind us, you did well if you voted. We participate as people within this country because there's an ownership and a responsibility. But it doesn't mean that things are going to necessarily go the way you want them to go. We have changes that are coming our way, changes in values. And you know, the tendency by man is to focus on whether or not finances are going to get better. I watched it happen in America with an American president where he had the moral standards. I don't know, I can't even describe what his moral standards were. But on the other hand, people still praised him because the financial picture of the country looked good. It is important to us that we recognize our values are being impacted by our society. And whether it's stance on prostitution, as we know, prostitution in France is already legal. 
And we know that those kinds of topics are coming up here. Even as we deal with marijuana, transsexual issues, various things where we begin to start saying, we want to be open-minded. As Christians, when you stand, you, you can expect some criticism. Christians, as we follow Christ, are not to deny that there are going to be issues that we don't agree with. Again, look at Jesus. Over and over in Jesus' life, he would get to, in, get to situations either with the area of politics or religion, that he would reach a point that his stance was different. He did not fight, he did not argue, but he did point out the obvious. In 1997, uh, I began uh, focusing my work differently from Hong Kong. I'd worked in Hong Kong very much as a teacher and a student worker. Had a great time. Loved it. I loved working in Hong Kong. It was just wonderful. Um, but in 1997, I was asked to do a broader position uh, for the region. And that included working with a number of the churches in China. As we began to make that adjustment... Um, I started understanding some of the, the struggles because I was um, the associate for that, the, the region. And within the first four months I was in the job, I had, I think it was five or six people that resigned from working with our organization. They got angry. They said, I can't do this. Part of the reason was their understanding of the Scripture that we just read in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. Their understanding is whatever a government tells us to do, that's what we've got to do. And the IMB had been struggling and asking itself the question, how can we be relevant when you have 1.3 billion people in China? How can we ignore it because... The government says you can't do this. Isn't there a creative way that we can get in there and legally enter the country and still make impact? Losing those people over those few months was one part of my problem. Another part of the problem was I had a number of people who were still with me, but their heart wasn't there. They were really struggling because we had two camps in the work. We had one camp that believed very much what I've just said, and there was another camp that I'll talk about in just a moment. But this work was the work that everybody referred to as the legal work in China, the group that worked with the Registered Church of China. Now, the Registered Church of China is a church that the government has stamped and says is okay. But the house churches of China look at that church with great question. Because, they say, it has compromised with the government. Now, I've already told you today, the reason I began this thing is talking about people who said, I don't want to talk about religion and politics. I'm sorry, folks, but the reality is religion and politics impact our lives every day. Religion impacts our morals, our standards, our values. Politics can certainly influence how all of that works. And we look at this situation... And these people got into all kinds of arguments uh, with the registered church. And the registered church then called me to come to um, Nanjing. And I went to a place called Amity Press. 
And I, I met with uh, Ding Guangxun and, and several, several Bishop Ding and, and some of those people to discuss what we could do together, how we could work. There's a certain point in our conversation I can still remember that I got really frustrated because I could tell this guy knows how to relig- use religious terminology, but I doubt if he knows Jesus. Man, he was good. He could talk it. He could talk, use the, use the Christian talk. And it's, I've already told you, to become a Christian, when you say, okay, I believe in Jesus, I repent, so I'm now a Christian. That's step one. Are we going to follow it with our lives or not? What are we going to put into action? How, how much of my soul am I willing to go ahead? Do I want to be baptized? Is it exciting to be baptized? To say, I want that chop on my life. I want to join this church to serve. Not to relax, but to serve. I went to meet with him, and I had a I had, before I went to the meeting. I had invited a friend of mine to come with me, who is Chinese, because I said, you know, I want to be a hundred percent sure I understand everything that goes on in this conversation. And sometimes my my putonghua is just me me day, you know. And so I had her with me. After the thing was over, we went out to get in a car. And they had a, a vehicle, very, very polite, very nice, very sweet toward us. The, they had, we had a driver and the whole bit because we were at the uh, Nanjing Seminary, which is their best seminary. And he closed the door, and I turned around quickly to look at her, and I said, what did you think? She said, wow, he doesn't even know Jesus. I said, I agree completely. You know, knowing about Jesus, knowing his name and knowing all the history is different than walking with Jesus as your Lord. No clue. So, so disappointing. And yet I was trying to say to him as we met, how can we work together? And there was a certain point that I got, I could tell it's not going anywhere, so I just decided I'm just going to throw it out there. I said, how can we help you reach your nation for Christ? Because I know, of course, you have a burden for the lost. And you have, my, of course, was already very much down deep within me saying, of course, what I'm saying is not true. But I at least want to give him the opportunity to say, yes, that's what I believe. And, of course, he did not. So that end of who we were, I began to understand, wow, registered church is going to be challenging. And I began to go around and visit a number of the registered churches until a letter came out about me sent to the registered churches warning them, if this guy comes, he has agenda. And I, then, fortunately, though, within the registered churches, there are some very dedicated Christian men also. And I had someone contact me immediately and said, I'm sorry to say this, but a letter's come out with your name on it. And they're trying to slander your name and your ability to work within our churches. He said, but, he said, I hope you'll understand. Those of us who are serious Christians, we welcome you anyway. And by the way, can you, and he gave me a list of books he wanted me to bring to him the next time I came. So you can't mark them all off. You can't say they're all this way, they're all that way. So when I hear an American or a Canadian or anybody from anywhere that says, I am an expert on the church in China, I usually just laugh. Because uh, I've yet to meet the expert. I know I'm certainly not him. 
Well, I got to that point of frustration and going through that with the registered church. But then there's another scripture that brings the other side of the story for our organization. Acts 5, 28 and 29. This is dealing with the Jewish leadership. And Peter gets into it and it says, saying, did not we straightforwardly command you that you should not teach in His name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring his, this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. You see, we had one group that said, don't think, just do. Just do it, whatever the government says. Don't be creative. Don't find ways to come in as school teachers or to work as uh, uh, social service workers or whatever skill you've got. We have a number of people with PhDs who are working in different places in China. It was a way of them using their expertise to get in um, and get in legally. But the Scripture, we also had people who were saying, we cannot not go. We cannot say to hell with China. We, and in, that is in a literal sense. We cannot say we don't care. We do care. This group, the majority of people working here, ended up working with the house churches. And the house churches were begging for support, encouragement, working alongside them. Over the years, did we have anyone expelled from China? Yes. Did we have anyone who went through different levels of persecution? Yes. Could I answer to everybody that asked me about going to China, can you guarantee that I'm going to a safe environment? No. I don't believe following Christ was ever about safety and security. Following Christ is about commitment and making ourselves tools for God. Today, we, we live in a, a changing Canada that has a challenge for us bringing in new values and new ideas. But I want to read some scripture for us about politics just for us to think through these scriptures, if, you, if we can look at these on the screen. I think they're up there. And if they're not, then I'll just make it up. Uh, getting closer, and I'll go right ahead. All right, uh, Isaiah 10, verses 1 to 6. Just listen with me on this, and it did make it up there. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees, and that write grievousness which they have prescribed, to turn aside the needy from judgment, and to take away the right from the poor uh, of my people, that widows may be their prey, and that they may rob the fatherless. And what will ye do in the day of visitation, and in the desolation which shall come from afar? To whom will ye flee for help? And where will ye leave your glory? Without me there shall bow down unto the prisoners, and I am going to go here, ha <laughs> Uh, and they shall fall under the slain. For all this, his anger is uh, not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger, and the staff in thy hand is mine indignation. 
I will send him against an hypocritical nation, and against the people of my wrath will I give him uh, a change, uh, to take the spoil and to take the prey, and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. Isaiah five twenty and 21. Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put dark darkness for light, and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Seek ye the Lord. This is Isaiah 55, 6 and 9. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Joshua twenty four fourteen and 16. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. For it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Today our challenge is to read the print carefully. Um, my son was with us recently, my youngest son. And Micah stayed. And when he, Before he came, we realized we had to have a place for him to sleep. Very creative and very intelligent are we. Um, we finally we recognized we didn't have a bed for him. So we decided to go out and get one of these instant beds. As you go out, you blow up the, the, the thing and you know you, you put a pump into it and it's just, just right there. We made the commitment. We looked around. We did the research. We found out what the, the situation was after we saw the need. And we made the purchase and we brought it home. All of that was great. But the most important part of it was when we put air into it and when Micah slept on it. Because suddenly, all that theory of what it was going to do for us became practical. To become a Christian, it's the same way. We have to understand our need. We have to repent. We have to understand who God is. We have to pray. But until we walk and we share and we grow and we serve, everything we've got is just a bunch of theory. When we look at politics and religions in our world, those things will impact who we are. They will impact decisions going on around us. They'll impact values and morals. But our challenge is to be sure that we're putting in the effort to make sure that our values are founded on what God would have us to be and that we would have the courage to not just study about it, but to take action. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today asking that you would be more than a theory or a principle. 
that You would walk in our lives in a way that we would hunger to be used by You, that we would receive blessing for our service, not because of uh, what we've done, but because You are so happy to place that blessing on our lives. Father, we would ask that You would give us hunger for understanding the society around us, the lostness of those people who walk each and every day around us. Father, give us the burden of this one that I had lunch with, that he would look around and ask himself, how can we impact the Punjabi? How can we impact the, the, the people that we walk around with within our offices, within our schools? How can we be more than just talkers with our lives? Father, we would ask that we would learn to read the fact that the fine print includes a walk of faith beyond just our knowledge. In Jesus' name.